Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, she's got a lot of things on her mind to talk about now. Hey, everybody. I don't know. What do you think? What do you think we should talk about today? What's what's on your mind? Why don't everyone yell at once? I, I can't hear you when you do that. All right. You know what? This isn't working out. I You're all yelling at once. Let, let me just go to my notes and see what I was going to talk about today. I hope everyone had a great 20th anniversary of 9-11 weekend. Uh, for my Patreon subscribers, I did a 90-minute audio bonus episode about my 9-11 when I was in New York and I was a struggling comedian and it's about anxiety. It's about being in love with someone else besides my boyfriend and the, the night before 9-11 going out on a drinking thing and... Uh, my 9-11 was taken up with a lot of drama about dating. It was a very weird day for me and also horrific as I watched the towers fall. So if you want to hear my juicy gossip story that I actually could never say publicly, you can join the behind the paywall episode of Patreon, patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman. And also last week's bonus episode was about the Nirvana baby and how he is suing the band saying his baby penis on the cover of the album was pornography and he would like some money. So again, you can access last week's bonuses by clicking the show notes. And again, if you want the video version of this podcast, I've already done 20 minutes straight to camera for the Patreon subscribers. Again, just link in the show notes, babies. Hey, I'm Jen Kirkman. Welcome to No Fun, episode 405. I'm a comedian. I've got comedy specials on Netflix. I've got books, but this podcast isn't comedy or perfected words gone over by an editor. This is where I come to talk out loud. It's unscripted. It's sometimes funny, sometimes serious, but I was honest and real, like talking to a friend where you don't have to say anything. Take me with you while you're running errands, walking the dog or as I always say, driving over a scary bridge and need support. Hey, by the way, make a note of it. The show is moving to Thursdays on September 30th. The show will move to Thursdays. That's because my new podcast, Anxiety Bites, it's an interview podcast where I interview experts about anxiety. We try to help everybody. Uh, we talk in an honest, funny, and irreverent way about anxiety and all of the offshoots of it. So that will air on Wednesdays. In its own feed. It has nothing to do with this podcast. It's a totally different company. You will see more and more promotion about that in the coming weeks. So, I had a pretty exciting thing happen in my apartment. No, it wasn't an orgy. It is similar to an orgy. Um, not at all. I'm kidding. But I did have three people cleaning my place at once. Like I'm some... Rich bitch in a castle. I found a new cleaning company. Uh, I was using this one. I didn't like it. The, the two women that would come and clean, uh, it was, they were going faster and faster every time until it took an hour. And I was like, it doesn't just take an hour to clean my place. And uh, I think they would just move things around because I would still see like sparkles and dust on the floor. I found I found some behind this glass table that, um, a two-year-old could move. It's not heavy. 
And I was like, that's from Christmas. So they hadn't like ever run like a mop along the floorboards. I guess neither had I. But so I was like, you know what? I'm going to go with a different company. So I go to this company. The guy is like all about customer service, which I love. So Vince comes and I, I don't know if these girls are his daughters or one's his wife and one's his daughter. I don't know. Whole family comes and they all get to work at once. And I mean, they're doing the nitigrate. So I have these air conditioning vents up near my ceilings, one in every room. And there's two in my living room that have a lot of black soot around them. And it doesn't look terrible. You look up and you go, oh, maybe the um, air conditioning filter needs changing. And so I've asked my building manager a million times and she's like, well, we usually change those on a schedule once a year or something like that. And I said, well, maybe because of lockdown and I've been home, you know, 24-7 for an entire year, maybe the filter's getting used up because I never used to use my AC except at night during the hot, hot summers. But in the day, I don't use it. And obviously, I don't use it in the fall and the winter and really only during like the four hottest months here. So I said, uh, maybe because I've had it on more during the day. I don't know. She's like, I don't think that's the filter. And I was like, what? I'm thinking to myself, she's so dumb. What else could it be? So I've got the family cleaning and I'm doing my laundry. And it's nice to have people in my place that are doing all the things that I didn't have time to do. So Vince comes over to me. So I have candles in every room. I have one in the kitchen, dining room, like one on my bar cart, one on the dining room table, one on this little console table, one on the kitchen counter bar, one on my coffee table, one on the side table, one next to the TV, four going in my bedroom. I have about 12 candles at once going in my apartment. It's the first thing I do when I wake up. It's my little morning ritual. Like if I do, you know, like a little meditation, a little gratitude list. But once I get out of bed... I put on the coffee, and then as the coffee is brewing, I go light all my scented candles. I open the windows. I turn off the AC. I put fans on so just to get the air circulating. I go in my bedroom, and I light an incense stick, and I let that go, and I just let my room... I just love scents, and I have uh, diffusers with you know all-natural healthy oils, and I have this kind of churchy, frankincense-scented oil that, you know, I have next to my bed going through a diffuser. I, but I also have a terrible sense of smell. That's why I thought, God, I don't even know if I'd know I had COVID because I I have to stick my nose in a candle to smell it. I've got two candles going in my home office right now that I'm podcasting from. I cannot smell them. It's just, I hate it. And I swear to God, I swear to God this happened because there were a few years in my life, I think it was the years I lived in New York City when I was younger, and I wasn't a health nut back then, and I was a smoker and all this, and I used to shove those Zycam swabs up my nose whenever I was getting sick. And, you know, I was always getting sick because, again, I didn't take care of myself, and I caught everything that you could possibly catch. I was sick. And I think I read that those things can ruin your sense of smell. And I think I reduced my sense of smell by about 50%. So I don't smell scented candles very easily. That's why I have 90 going at once. And so Vince comes in, he goes, can you believe this is a comedy podcast? I'm trying to be funny. I don't know. I'm just telling you, this is all that's gone on in my life this week is I made a discovery. Vince comes in, he goes, hey, uh, I noticed you have a lot of candles burning. And I said, yeah, oh, you guys can blow them out. I know they're in the way. He goes, no, but um, I've been trying to clean the soot off of your air conditioning events. I go, oh, my God, you guys do that, too? Like, you're really deep cleaning. Thank you. Thank you. And he's like, I go, I know they need to change the filters. I'm so dumb. I don't even, like, put two and two together that he mentioned the candles, and now he's leading me down another path. He goes, right, but that's from the candles. I go, huh? He goes, well, no, first he said... He didn't say that's from the candles. First, he said, you know, you really shouldn't use anything but soy or beeswax or, you know, candles. Um, Those kind of candles you have are giving off carbon monoxide, you know. And I was like, 
Yeah, I know. And I that's how I felt. Yeah, who cares? I've heard that. But my windows are open. And, you know, I used to smoke and I had a lung x-ray last year and it's free and clear. I mean, the whole world's polluted. The candles bring me joy. So fucking what? You know, the way I look at eating dessert or something once in a while. And he said, yeah, but that's what that soot is. And I went, oh, what? And he said, yeah, that's from, I mean, you seem to burn a lot of candles at once. And I said, yeah, I've been burning that many a day every day since like lockdown began. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, do you ever see kind of like black soot coming out of the flame and, you know, if the edges of the jars turn black and you have to clean them? I go, I just thought that was smoke or he's like, yeah, that's smoke from the chemicals. I'm like, I never knew that. And he's like, so now you can see what you're breathing in. And I was like fuck. So I got rid of all my candles that day. That day. And I did have some soy ones and I just replaced all my candles with soy. And honestly, I can't tell you that it was me worried about my lungs that did it. It was that that black soot is so hard to clean and they fucking cleaned it. I didn't even ask them to. I didn't even think they would notice and they did it. So I will not do that again so that I don't have to clean it or have anyone else clean it. And uh, yeah, soy only up in this piece or beeswax. And I have my brand that I like, so it's all worked out. It turns out I was mostly burning soy anyway, but I had some other just kind of plain pillar candles that... Anyway, this is this... I I mean, really, I've I've listened to some old episodes from way back when I'm like, God, I used to be funny, but I swear to God, I haven't had my mother call me Jen. No, she didn't call me. She emailed me. I worry about you. Now, my mom is an emailer. I'm a caller because I'm emailing all goddamn day with my job. I'm writing. I like to just talk on the phone so I can fold my laundry or have be hands free. You, you, you dig? So I'm talking to my mom and she's like, I just worry that you're overwhelmed. I go, of course I'm overwhelmed. The world is crazy, you know? She's like, well, Jen, I go, don't confuse it with depression. I don't have depression. I'm not going to kill myself. I mean, I do have depression, but it's not like, don't worry about overwhelm. I just get overwhelmed with the world. And I would go, my perimenopause out of control last week. I was in such a bitch mood. Oh, I remember that. So, you know, but I was going to say, I haven't had like a fun flare up feeling since really since Trump was elected. There were moments, moments of fun, of course. But yeah, I mean, since the beginning of lockdown, I've just been kind of shut down. I'm trying to get revved up again. But this Delta variant, I mean, I have a feeling in the next few months I'm going to be really. All I can think to say are dumb cliches moving and grooving. I'm going to be a. getting a place in New York to be bi-coastal. I'm going to be busy with that. I have eight weeks to kind of lock that down. I've got the new anxiety podcast coming up. My parents are coming out to visit. I've got my shows in Brooklyn, December 1st through 4th, where I'm recording my comedy album called OK Gen X. If you are vaccinated and if you have the money, please buy the tickets now. If we sell out the shows, we can always add more but we cannot add them at the last minute. God, I don't miss promoting. And uh, the reason I'm doing an album is because Netflix and HBO Max and Amazon and Showtime, uh, they all said no to me doing a special. I'm just not cool anymore. So I got to do an album. That's not like a bad thing, like wah, wah, but it's definitely like, it was a humbling that I took me three years to work up the guts to do an album because I thought it was so embarrassing. So I'm just saying, put your money where your fucking mouth is. You know, don't travel from elsewhere to see me. If you live in the New York City Area, Brooklyn, come down, vaccinated, get your booster. I wish I could get them out at the show. Um, I'll be having masks on hand at the show if you forget yours. Tickets on sale now. Link in the show notes. I'll spell it out for you. Unionhallny.com. Go get tickets there or on my website, jenkirkman.com. So I don't know what I'm going to talk about today. I have to be honest with you. I am having kind of a crazy week. And this is going to be a short episode because I have to get on to a Zoom meeting 
in 25 minutes. And so I feel badly that this will be a little bit short, but if you want to catch up on the longer version, patreon.com is the way to go. So I think I'm going to just see what I was looking at. Oh, all right. I watched the 9-11 documentary on Apple TV. I know there's like 9 million 9-11 documentaries out right now. But I just kind of had it on in the background as I was doing stuff. And that one is, I mean, it's so basic. It's, it's, it's really just a fluff piece. And I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist because I'm not saying they didn't even mention that it was an inside job and I'm Alex Jones and I'm selling supplements. I, I don't mean that at all, but it was a massive intelligence failure on behalf of the United States, because we were warned in George Bush's presidential daily briefings. And much like Trump, George Bush didn't like to get the daily briefings. He he would blow off them sometimes or leave it to Cheney. And in the you can Google this and look it on YouTube. In the 9-11 commission that was put together to investigate what how this was such an intelligence failure. Condoleezza Rice was being uh, questioned and they said, well, wasn't there a presidential briefing that came out a couple weeks before warning that bin Laden? And "Mm." she's looking up classic lying. I think as if she doesn't remember what it said. I knew what it said. I was screaming at the TV, bin Laden determined to strike inside the U.S. And I was just a dumb comedian. She goes, um, I think it said Bin Laden, Bin Laden loves ice cream. No, it wasn't that. It was Bin Laden shit. Uh, I think it was Bin Laden determined to lose that holiday weight. No, 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 it wasn't that. It was, um, oh, Bin Laden determined to strike inside the U.S. And then she says it like, oh, is that, what is that a problem? Should I have, what, what, what are you guys getting at here? <laughs> you know, it's like. Or just the failure of imagination that these guys got on with box cutters. You didn't need a gun. Just needed something to stab someone with. Why, why did we have pilot doors on airlines that were so easy to get through and into the cockpit? I mean, also, I mean, in terms of uh, the guys, they were in America taking flying lessons. I don't know if my young people know this. There's a story of one of, the, I think it was Muhammad Atta. Um, hang on. They took flying lessons. This sounds like a joke, but it's complete. It sounds like a, uh, a comedy sketch. But there was a, a Florida flight school owner. And his flight school, his name's Rudy Deckers, they basically unwittingly trained the two men who flew the planes into the Trade Center. He interacted with them every day for six months leading up to the attack. They took pilot training at his school, Huffman Aviation in Venice, Florida. Everybody always asked me, did you see anything? Was there something in hindsight? He said, I wish, I wish we saw something because then I would not be infamous. I would be a hero. Uh, He wrote a book, Guilty by Association, about his experience with Muhammad Atta. But he hated Atta. He said Atta was inattentive and rude to instructors, particularly the women. But he said he never had a reason to suspect the two men. Now, women and gays and people that aren't white. I don't, maybe Rudy isn't white. I don't know. But we would have had reason to suspect. When you are training to be a pilot and you're inattentive, that tips me off. Why don't you need to know that much? Rude to the women. Hmm. This person's unhinged. And I would report them. I mean, right there, I swear to God, 
maybe he didn't want to be racist. He's thinking, well, just because they're, you know, I think it was Muhammad Atta, Egyptian, Middle Eastern. And just, you know, I don't want to assume, but that's not what I mean. I just mean that kind of behavior. I would maybe talk to the local police. I would have flagged somehow. Oh, trust me. Deckers used to call him dead man walking. I don't know why he said that. Maybe because he thought he wasn't a good pilot. Um, I should have listened to my feelings. But just because you don't like somebody, you don't know what he's going to do. See, women do. He said Atta was rude, arrogant, failed to listen to his instructors. Um, They were forced to sit him down about two months into the course and warn him that he faced expulsion if he didn't change his behavior. I told him, if you don't behave, I'll kick you out of flight school. And then they said he started behaving. See, with me at comedy shows, they go, if you heckle three times, you're out. Not my shows, heckle once, out. See, you've already shown me a pattern of behavior. And and this is too serious for me to take a risk. So you're out. That's right. My comedy shows are as serious as learning to fly. But there was a story, I swear to God, of a 9-11 pilot who didn't need to know how to land the plane. Oh, no, Rudy is white. Okay. Um, Okay, Musawi. In Minneapolis, he spoke fluent Arabic but rusty English. He had plenty of cash but didn't seem like the playboy type. He said he wanted to learn to fly a jumbo jet just to impress his pals. Oh, fuck. My camera just died. Ugh. Hang on, everybody. Hang on. I have to do this for the Patreons. Sorry, everybody. everybody okay just amuse yourselves while i screw on this uh attachment to my camera stand so that it can hold a phone because we're going to finish recording the patreon episode using my phone instead of the camera oh my god she's so crafty how does she run her life oh she oh she did it okay sorry patreon subscribers my camera ran out of memory card um i didn't see the warning I really need to get my shit together. Okay, so you're going to get that in two parts. Anyway, so uh, I'll start over. Minneapolis, he spoke fluent Arabic, rusty English. He had a bunch of cash. He didn't seem like the playboy type, but he said he wanted to learn to fly to impress his pals. He was an Al-Qaeda operative. His name was Zacharias Musawi. He asked a flight instructor, how do you turn off the oxygen and the transponder on a jet? (laughs) And then the two managers at the school had a hunch that something was up. He's awaiting a death penalty penalty trial next week. They saw the red flags. And uh, turned him in. He claimed to be a British businessman. And he wrote them an email saying, I need to know if you can help me achieve my goal, my dream to be able to fly one of these big birds, even though I'm not a real professional pilot. Uh, After all, we are in America and everything is possible. And he arrived wearing jeans and a baseball cap and a T-shirt. And they were like, well, I thought this was a businessman. His demeanor was not sophisticated. He had a weird reason for wanting to fly. It was all ego. Then he's like, hey, how do you turn off the oxygen real quick? And then I swear there was one pilot that was like, oh, I don't need to know how to learn to land the plane. Like, I'll just skip that class. And they were like, what? So, yeah. But see, this is where, okay. If I'm the FBI and somebody turns in a pilot that's super shady, you know, not from this country, cash only, 
uh, you turn them in. Now I'm the FBI. I'm going to go, you know what? This can't be the only case. I wonder, I'm going to call every flight school in the country and I'm going to get my guys, girls, FBI agents to interview every single teacher at every flight school in America and ask them, is there anything weird about any of your students? Even if you just don't like the way they dress, just anything weird that you can tell me. Now, again, you go, Jen, why do you want to turn in innocent people? No, no. The FBI understands this kind of human nature clue more than the regular person. So if this other guy been like, this guy, Muhammad Atta, is a fucking dick. He's like not paying attention. He's rude to women. I, the FBI would have been like, mm, interesting. Um, and why does he say he wants to learn to fly? Is he trying to become a pilot? No, he just wanted to learn to fly. It's like, you know, maybe this whole thing could have been stopped if the FBI worked together. I'm just saying, should I run the FBI? Of course I should. I've got great ideas. Anyway, my whole point in that that fucking 9-11 documentary was they had Condi Bush, G-Dubs Bush, who still has that weird smile when he talks about fucked up shit. It's like, I don't think Bush is as evil. Bush is a different kind of evil than Cheney. He's just not smart. But Cheney is like, ah. I mean, literally, I don't even know the penguin from Bat- Batman, but I get that he is him. And he does sound like what I think the penguin sounds like. Well, and Condi's there. And I just think it was a massive intelligence failure. And I think, obviously, the aftermath of how they handled it. I will give Bush credit for saying, and I know that he believes this, like, this is not. Like, he really brought. I, I would say, I would. I would say one thing. He did the best he could with the rising uh, Islamophobia in America in terms of really making it one of the first things he said when he came out, like, don't, you know, fuck with our Islamic friends that live here. This is this is an extremist group. We've known about them. This is not the religion. And, uh, you know, obviously Trump wouldn't have done that. So whatever. My point is, though, This documentary was just fluff. It was them being like, this is where we were that day, which is fine. Uh, But I did learn two interesting things that I didn't. I either I knew this fact before about Flight 93 and I forgot it or I didn't know. It sounded vaguely familiar, but I was never sure if it was conspiracy. Dick Cheney said, uh, you know, well, Flight 93 was still in the air and we had heard it was going to try to crash into. The what? Not the I I don't know. Somewhere in D.C., the White House. Or was it going to go to Camp David? I don't know. But they decided they were going to shoot it down, knowing they were going to kill innocent people on board. And he ordered it, you know, shoot it down. But by the time the message shoot it down got to whoever, people scrambling to shoot it down, the plane had gone down on its own because of the passengers who stormed the cockpit to try to take over and take control of the terrorists. And God, that's so brave. I mean, what else would you do in that moment? I feel like you've got to use your adrenaline for something. You know, I think I, not in a, I'm a hero. I remember Mark Wahlberg was like, I could have stopped 9-11 if I was on the plane. I actually believe that he could have. And that's maybe what us people from Boston are like, with enough Duncans in me, I could have stopped 9-11. I would have tried because I would have been so adrenalized and going out of my fucking head that it would have been something to do at least. But, um, but, and so Cheney said in the, in the documentary that then he found out the plane went down and he said, wait, did we do it? And they said, we don't know. And he's like, well, find out please. And then they said, no, it went down. We didn't, we didn't, they took it down. And I think the black box does confirm that, but it could, it would be interesting if, and I don't mean this in a conspiracy Alex Jones way, but if it is true that the passengers stormed the cockpit to try to wrangle this out of the terrorist hands. And also if at the same time, like it did get shot down. I mean, both could be true. I guess we don't want to think of it. I guess it would be, uh, would it be worse in their memory if 
they didn't have that final victory, you know? I mean, they did die, but they had a victory where they did have such a fight in the cockpit that nobody was flying at that point, but the, the terrorists were diverted from crashing into the buildings they wanted to, and they crashed in the field instead. So I do think that that, I can see why even if they did shoot it down, they're, they're acting like they didn't because you don't want to take away that. You want to take that away from anyone. Um, that feeling of, you know, these everyday people were heroes and really brave. So I don't know who knows, you know? Um, but then the other thing I didn't know, and I thought this was fascinating was Bush had to get on Air Force One while there were still other planes in the air and before the airspace had been totally secure. So there could have been more hijacked planes they didn't know. So they had to be really careful. So the way that Air Force One took off that day was very bizarre, almost like a Navy plane, like just going straight up. And I forget why it had to take off that way in case there was someone with a bomb at the end of the runway or something, but it didn't make its normal runway lap um, to get enough speed to take off. And so it took off kind of straight up in the air. Anyway, so Bush is on board with a bunch of his advisors and people closest to him. And then obviously the pilots in the cockpit. And the code name for Air Force One was Angel. And so they're listening to chatter and they're talking to the FBI and the FBI said, um, Angel is a target, meaning Air Force One is a target. But nobody except the people on the plane, not even the FBI, knew that the code word for Air Force One was Angel. So Bush said, wait, the FBI said the words Angel is a target? And they're like, yes, sir. And he goes, well, then someone on this plane is like a traitor. Like someone on this plane knows it's called Angel and they must be working on the inside. It was very interesting. And so at that moment, they had to bar everybody from getting near the cockpit because they were like, maybe one of the fucking advisors to Bush has been a traitor all along and is going to try to take down the plane. And they said it was tense until they realized that the FBI agent said Air Force One is a target. And then the FBI agent said that to someone in the inner circle. And they just used shorthand. And instead of saying the FBI said that Air Force One is a target, the person went Angel is a target. Does that make sense? So I just little details like that I thought were interesting. And I will say my one thing about you guys know I'm not a fan of GWB. All the lot of them should be in jail for war crimes. But I used to give him a lot of shit for that famous clip we saw of him reading from. I know it's not called my pet goat. It's called something else like pet goat. I tweeted about it once. Everyone's like, the technically the title is. And I'm like, oh, shut up. No wonder the terrorists want to blow us off. You people are so annoying. Anyway, he's reading from the book or he's sitting in front of the class. And he actually wasn't reading from the book at that moment. He's sitting in front of the class. And his. He knew the first plane hit before he went into the classroom and they told him it was a drunk pilot. I still think it's weird because even I did not think that. And you can hear my whole story on the Patreon link in the show notes. But anyway, so he's, he hears the first plane hits. He's like, I got to go do this classroom thing. His staff is like, look, we're on it. We're figuring out what's going on in New York. And, and I get it. Like, you can listen. You got a whole fucking staff of people. Like, you don't have to be not doing your dumb classroom thing. There's nothing he can do anyway. He's not in Washington. His advisor comes over and goes, sir, this is a second plane. We're under attack. And that's when you see his face. And you know, of course, I read into it back then. He knew, he knew they wanted this to happen because they wanted to go to Iraq. But I honestly think he was just like, what the fuck? What the motherfucking fuck? And he was like, I can't get up and scare children. And I actually believe him. I actually believe as a dad and like, I do believe that was his instinct. And he knew he only had he only had like five minutes left anyway of whatever he was doing that day. And so he kind of gently got up and went right over to his people. But again, like now that I'm realizing more about politics, everyone is handling something. You have five. I know it sounds crazy, but I do think you have five minutes to finish out sitting there. You can kids under attack. I mean, you're going to traumatize. You could say kids, something really important is happening, but I still think they might. I don't know what you would do. I just think in that moment he was in shock. Um, 
And then he went and dealt with his people and they were getting the plan together. Mr. President, we have to get you at an isolated place. But at the same time, we can't put you in Air Force One because it's too much of a threat. And he wanted to go back to Washington. And they're like, you can't. And, you know, I'm sure Cheney was psyched because he could run the whole thing from his little Cheney bunker, you know, his coffin. But um, it kind of made sense to me. I, I was like, OK. Uh, but otherwise, it was a, a piece of shit fluff. And if you hated the Bush administration and if it, everything about their handling of 9-11 pissed you off and you don't want to hear about America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani, do not watch it. Um, I told you the two interesting tidbits that I didn't know that if I don't know them, then maybe you didn't either because I uh, am kind of a 9-11, you know, fanatic. I'm, I'm, I like every single story, every single detail, you know. Well, that's fun to just talk about 9-11. You're like, oh, my God. How about something fun for once, Jen? Okay, I'm going to close on a listener email. I know this is such a short episode this week, you guys. I feel terrible about it. Um, but it just is what it is today. It is what it is. If you want longer stuff, head over to my Patreon or you can watch a bunch of clips from my podcast on my YouTube channel, which is free. And so head over there if you need more Jen in your day. But today just kind of got away from me and I got to get this posted. I'm really sorry, you guys. Um, I had talked about... Let's see. Somebody wrote me about. Why can't I find it? I mean, is there so? Why does my brain not work? Do you guys think? Is there a reason? Is there a reason that I can't get my brain working? No, I'm just trying to find this one email podcast listener emails. I mean, guys, I'm really bungling this episode. Oh, this woman wrote, Jen, I purchased the Dr. Bronner peppermint soap. I'm on day two using it. I can't get over how much I love it. Thank you again. I swear at the end of the day, I feel cleaner than with other soap. Not sure why I think you'd be interested in that. Just want to express gratitude for the information you share. Guys, on my Patreon, I talked about celebrities that don't shower. And I took everyone through my very intimate shower details, which begins with the liquid peppermint Dr. Bronner soap. I put it right on my genitals, right in my butt crack, and I leave it there the whole shower and then do a big butt crotch wash after. And uh, a lot of people have emailed me, guys too, who are like, that hurts, I can't do that. I'm like, I don't know, I must be dead inside because I love the feeling. Anyway, so there you go. Put Dr. Bronner's peppermint soap on your crotch and I know it was a shorter episode, but honestly, are you going to get information like that from Joe Rogan? I don't think so. He's eating horse dewormer. I'm telling you how to tingle your dingles. Okay. I know it's a short episode. You got plenty of Jen coming up, um, especially if you join that Patreon. And until next week, have fun. I know I just said until next week, have fun. And you're probably wondering, wait, I thought this episode was over. But if you're smart, maybe you noticed, well, wait a minute. It says there's like 27 minutes left of this episode. That's right. So listen, I felt bad that I was giving you guys this kind of short 30 something minute episode that I didn't even have planned. Uh, I really only had an hour to record the podcast. But the problem is, is I always uh, start by turning my camera on and recording for the Patreon subscribers. And so they had already gotten 20 minutes and then that cut into my time on the free version. And I thought, oh, I don't want to give them this short episode and, you know, have them be mad and unsubscribe and be like, she's just pushing her Patreon all the time. So I'm doing something I don't normally do, but I'm giving you a half hour bonus episode about Joe Rogan getting COVID. Now, this was so people who do subscribe to my Patreon at $5 a month, they get one audio bonus episode a month. And um, this was the $5 level and above audio bonus episode for the month of September. So you're getting it for free. 
And uh, yeah, it's about finding out that Joe Rogan had COVID. My opinions on, oh, just the danger that he is to society. Now, my Patreons and I, my patrons and I, we have an understanding. Snitches get stitches. They're, they're behind a paywall. They pay for what I say. They respect me. They don't give me any trouble. They don't snitch tag on Twitter. They don't tweet out, oh my God, on the Patreon version, you talked about this. It's all secrets. So I'm trusting you guys to not at Joe Rogan or tweet at me or try to start trouble or sell this to TMZ. Just chill. Let's be grownups about my hot takes. And uh, if you like it, that's that's what these audio bonuses sound like. And you can get up to four a month, depending on the level you subscribe at. So here you go. Enjoy. And until next week, when the episode won't be so disjointed, have fun. And don't take ivermectin. No fun, my babe. No fun. So I'm sitting in an acupuncture appointment while I'm laying down the other day. And I am just basically in that state right before sleep. I mean, I am, I'm not there. And I remain in that state for about 40 minutes as I lay peacefully in that room. And then, you know, Russell comes in and takes the needles out, says, take your time getting up. He leaves. I'm alone in the Comfortable room, low lighting. I take my time getting up, throw my sweatpants outfit back on and immediately pick up my phone because I thought of something while on the table. That's how thoughts work. They don't come to me when I have the ability to write them down. They're little devils. So I go into the notes section of my phone and I said, why do I have 5,000 texts from 5,000 different people? And I go to my texts And it is just every single woman in my life going, Joe Rogan has COVID. (laughs) Joe Rogan has COVID. By the way, welcome. No fun, the Jen Kirkman podcast. Shorty bonus episode for Patreon subscribers only at the $5 level and up the first one for the month of September where I talk about something going on in celebrity or pop culture. I think you know this week's topic. Joe Rogan has COVID or actually probably had by the time you hear this. I mean, I'm recording it on Friday, September 3rd. You will hear this on Friday, September 3rd. But I think it's it's winding down. So here's the thing. I, now, acupuncture is not a religion. It doesn't require you to think good thoughts about others for it to work. It's It's Chinese medicine, you know? But I'm in a kind of mellow mood and immediately I have one second from the mellow mood and I'm thrown into that mind state of I am wishing that someone I'm going to be totally honest gets really sick or dies now I know that's evil and this is the part of the human brain let's just dissect it for a minute because if we can't talk about the things that we think then As Madonna sang in the song, Human Nature, express yourself, don't repress yourself. I can't repress myself. I must express myself. Now, I am doing it responsibly. I am not calling for his death, getting a bunch of witches together to put a spell on him, although that's a great idea. I'm not saying it on social media in order to, uh, you know, just get this mean energy going. I'm reporting to you in a performative show that that was my first thought. That was my first want. Now, are we always correct? Are we always right thinking in our thoughts? Are we always right thinking in our most base wishes that don't take into consideration every single aspect of of what it does to our soul to wish and and the reality of our wish coming true? What what does that do? But it was a thought. It it brought me back to when Trump was diagnosed with COVID. And I just, you know, it's like It's like that national addiction we all had to the drama, like all good codependent children. He was like, I hope he dies. I hope he dies. I hope he's on a ventilator. I hope it gets really bad. I hope he's not the president anymore. It's like, I don't know what him dying would have done to the election. Would 
a Democrat be president, which was my wish for the country. So, you know, I don't know. It may be that it was for the best if we wanted a Democrat to get elected that he didn't die and that he, I don't know, and that he handled COVID so badly after that. Again, millions more people voted for Trump the second time than they did the first. So I don't know for those people that went, I like what he did here. I do think my guess is that part of it was the fact that he survived COVID. I know that sounds crazy because you go, no, 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 people just loved the racism. And I go, yeah, but the racists already knew he was racist. He made that clear from the second he walked down the golden elevator and said, Mexicans are rapists and they're coming here. Unless people that were racist before weren't voting at all, or maybe we've in maybe more racists became of <laughs> voting age. I don't know. But to me, it signaled that some people truly uh, are not motivated by racism, but they don't care that it's happening. So they're not motivated against racism. And, and they're just busy, not that political, kind of prone to believe conspiracy theories or things that they don't even identify as conspiracy theories. They just think they're the truth. Uh, they don't really know how to analyze news. They don't know what's real, what isn't. And they they're, they didn't know what to think about COVID. They heard enough about Dr. Fauci. They hear words like big pharma. They, they don't know. They don't know what to think. And then here's Trump and he's overweight and elderly and all of the things that are supposed to be comorbidities to not surviving COVID. And he does. As we know, he survived because he got treatment that was would be millions of dollars for you and me. I mean, they literally saved his life. He would have died if they didn't get him to Walter Reed when they did and just flooded him with Regeneron and the and the everything that they <clears throat> that they did for him. I mean, I think he was pretty close to being on a ventilator. So but again, let's just, the average person doesn't really know all that. I don't mean the average person, but the average person I was just describing who's like not really paying attention, uh, doesn't understand what, why Trump survived. Just like, oh, you know what? Maybe this COVID thing is kind of a hoax. I, I'm going to go with the devil I know as opposed to the devil I know don't. And they get, you know, they vote for Trump. Or they've been brainwashed into thinking Joe Biden has dementia. What? Where am I going with this? Not sure. Oh, my point is so that my most base thought, and, and I was all revved up with excitement, time to get on Twitter and bond with the other anxious people who have developed a sort of codependency on being fascinated by the drama. Now we are addicted to it, even though we hate it. And we didn't even get to watch him suffer, those of us who did want Trump to suffer, because I feel he has made so many people suffer. I think it would have been a little bit, just, just even in the base way that ice cream makes you feel better, but then you have a stomach ache and a sugar rush and then a sugar crash, even in just, I know it's bad for me, but I'd like to see him suffer for five minutes. And the breathing heavily that he did on the balcony or the way he walked to the car that drove him to Walter Reed, when not enough suffering. And when he got back in that SUV a day later, making the Secret Service drive with the windows up, no mask, waving to his cracked out crazy fans that are cracked out on Trump. I don't even mean crack. I, my heart, I could, I said, how much more can my spirit be destroyed? <laughs> And it's fucked up, right? Why is my spirit destroyed? Because the president didn't die? Well, it's like, well, it's not. See, that's where when we think evil thoughts, like there is kind of a disconnect in our brain. <clears throat> and I'm not making an excuse. I'm saying how otherwise good people do have evil thoughts. There's a disconnect there. What you're saying is, please put an end to this nonsense. Please put an end to this nonsense. You are the head of the snake. You are the person spreading disinformation about this virus that you now have. Please put an end to this nonsense. The country is suffering. The economy is suffering. People are suffering, dying. 
please put an end to this nonsense. And our brains just go, I don't know, maybe if he's dead, it'll end. And that's how I felt about Joe Rogan. <clears throat> maybe if he is dead, it'll end. Now, I go, you go, Jen, well, why wouldn't you wish Joe Rogan would just have a change of heart like one of those bad guys in a Christmas cartoon? I go, that'd be great. But when you're traumatized and just so anxious about everything we've been through, the brain goes to the simplest. It's a childlike thought. They should die. It's a childlike base thought. It's gross because it just doesn't address the problem. I just want the nonsense to stop. And so in other words, I didn't want to get my hopes up. So let's take it back from I wish he was dead because it's not truly what my heart wants. Just kind of what my thoughts wanted, right? Now let's bring it down to my heart. What do I want? Well, I want Joe Rogan to use his platform to say, guys, I was wrong. Guys, I was wrong. I am really healthy. I mean, that's let's just side note for a second. Joe Rogan always talks about how healthy he is, but the dude smokes a lot of pot. And I'm not saying pot's not good for you or pot's a drug. Well, pot's not good for you. Anything, any smoke in your lungs, I'm sorry, is just not good for you. I don't care that it's not tobacco uh, that's laced with carcinogens the way cigarettes are. Smoke, we are not supposed to be inhaling smoke. I'm sorry. Now, can is our body amazing? Can we get away with it for a while? Is uh, intermediate, you know, intermittent amounts of pot smoking smoke probably not going to kill you. Well, yeah, of course. But in general, I'm just saying someone who's like, I'm so healthy. He smokes pot every day and drinks a shit ton of whiskey. Like ever since he moved to Austin, he's been drinking a lot. So I mean, those are really unhealthy things for a man his age to be doing. And I think I'm not saying he's overweight. Like he, he's fat. He looks bad. Not in that kind of way. I just he's not like pure lean muscle. So he has things that, you know, I mean, I don't understand this whole thing that he's so healthy. Maybe he takes a lot of supplements, but I think we confuse that with health habits. I don't know. And I don't know how much meat he's eating. I mean, I don't really understand that we've just accepted that, oh, Joe Rogan's healthy. I don't know if that's true. But anyway, so, but the character of Joe Rogan that he plays, right? This health nut who's into peptides and lifting weights and all that so comes on and says, guys, I was wrong. I said, if you were healthy, you didn't need the vaccine. I, well, I said, if young people are healthy, um, I should have gotten it or blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, once you are a cult of personality like a Donald Trump or a Bernie Sanders, I've seen it with both of them. Once you try to calm down your people that you've riled up by the millions, they turn on you because the ideas you've handed them are like COVID-19. They keep mutating. So now your followers are followers of the ideas that you handed them and they are mutating in the minds of the followers. The followers are now kind of following your commands until you disagree with them and even go against the mindset you once espoused. And then they don't, you don't have them anymore because the way you indoctrinated them was so culty. It was never about actually being a free thinker. You indo you're indoctrinated them in a cult-like way, so you can't get them back by just speaking rationally now. They're, they're gone. You've ruined the minds of an entire generation, you could put it, or many generations, but millions of people. So that's the problem with Joe Rogan. If had he come out and been like, I was wrong, his people would have booed him and been like, I mean, we saw it with Donald Trump when he was saying, you know, get the vaccine. He said it recently and his audience booed him. We saw it with Bernie Sanders at the Democratic National Convention in 2016 when he said, we have to get behind our nominee. His audience booed him. So you create a monster that's bigger than you. So that's the problem with Joe. It Had he been like, guys, I was wrong. I think enough of his people that, that listened to him in a non-cult-like trance, sure, it would have affected, it would have helped, but it wouldn't have solved it because again, this is bigger than him. And so that's where the despair comes in. And I go, ah, but, but that's what my heart would have wanted is Joe to have a reckoning. Um, you know, that the fear of even the first symptoms of COVID, I imagine are terrifying as you wait to see how bad it gets. That to me sounds like a religious experience, right? And so, but he didn't do any of that. And I knew when my friends texted me, Joe Rogan has COVID, just because I know how the news cycle works. Not smarter than anyone else. I'm just used to it. 
Joe Rogan's not going to let us know that he has COVID the second he gets it. It's probably a couple of days later. And the reason it's probably in the media is because Joe is touting some bullshit remedy that he used. And therefore, Joe is fine. I knew I wasn't going to check the news and see that Joe Rogan's on a respirator. That was not what was going to happen. And so I was immediately like, I'm not falling for this again. I'm not getting excited the way I do when Trump had COVID. So I knew with a very neutral heart what, what I was about to see. And I was right. So Joe Rogan had these gigs in Florida. I mean, the height of COVID in America. And he found out that the venues were requiring vaccines. And he said, guys, I don't support that. That's bullshit. You can get your money back if you want. Let me just get the exact story. Yeah, so this is from uh, last week. Joe did a series of shows all over Florida, and he said he will offer refunds to any of his fans who don't want a COVID vaccine. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm mixing up stories. Because I was like, wait, why does a Florida venue have this mandate? That doesn't make sense. Okay, no, it's, he has a Madison Square Garden show, Jesus Christ, in New York City. And of course, anything in New York that's a public gathering like that, you have to be vaccinated. So Joe didn't know that, and he said he'll offer a refund to any of his fans who don't want to get a vaccine but already got tickets to the Madison Square Garden show. He already sold 13,000 tickets to his show, but he opposes vaccine requirements. The comedian decided to offer refunds as a solution. If someone has an ideology or physiological reason for not getting vaccinated, I don't want to force them to get vaccinated to see a fucking stupid comedy show. Isn't it amazing that he can't apply that logic to holding many comedy shows pre-vaccine that were basically super spreader events? You know, I don't want to force people to expose themselves to COVID to see a fucking stupid comedy show. Isn't that 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 cognitive dissonance? Isn't that amazing? So Joe Rogan has COVID. Now, a lot of people say, oh, well, he didn't die. He I bet he's secretly vaccinated. I don't think so. I think Joe actually walks the walk. I think what he talks about, he does or doesn't do. I don't think he got vaccinated. I don't think he believes in it. I don't think he believes he needs it. I think he has a weird hang up about vaccines that comes from that anti-vax movement that we don't know what's in it. It's not healthy. It alters your DNA, all this crap. I really believe he believes that. And he knows that he has the money and the resources to get the monoclonal antibody treatment should he get COVID. So I really believe that he is not vaccinated. I think if he were vaccinated, I think he would have come out and said, guys, look, I was vaccinated and I still got COVID. Vaccines don't work. He would have done that. And by the way, just just so we're clear, vaccines do work because people are not dying who get COVID if they're vaccinated. That was the point of the vaccine. It's not, a, I love Andy Slavitt host of the great podcast in the bubble. Highly recommend you listen to it. As he says, it's not a sunscreen that blocks the sun from making contact with your skin. Vaccines do not prevent the virus from getting into your nose. They turbocharge your immune system so that you fight the virus. And even if you get a case of COVID, you have fought the virus and won, if that makes sense, because you didn't die. The virus didn't go crazy in your immune system. So anyway, Joe, I don't think he was vaccinated. So he does all these shows in Florida, you know, that don't have mask mandates. And again, these are super spreader events. This isn't, I'd say a hundred people at a show is, a, I don't know if you call it super spreader, but it's definitely a spreader. I mean, he's got thousands and thousands of people at these shows. So he tested positive for COVID after he returned from a series of shows in Florida. He said, throughout the night, I got fever, sweats, and I knew what was going on. He said this in a video on Instagram. He moved to a different part of his house away from his family. Must be nice, right? All the people that probably got COVID from being at his show that weekend. I hope they have a separate wing to recover in so they don't get their family sick. Um. In April, though, he mentioned his children had experienced mild COVID-19 symptoms earlier in the pandemic. Now, if his kids are under 12, that's not his fault. 
you know, but um, he took a coronavirus test the next morning, which came back positive. He said Sunday sucked. But by the time he made the video, he said he was feeling pretty fucking good. So, right. So that's when the public got to learn about it. So by the time everyone's texting me, Joe Rogan has COVID, he's fine. He said a wonderful, heartfelt thank you to modern medicine for pulling me out of this so quickly and easily. So he did get monoclonal antibodies, which have shown to protect COVID patients at risk from becoming gravely ill. So does the vaccine and it's free. These antibody treatments are, these these are monies that we don't have, kids. Not even me, rich bitch here in LA, showbiz. He took prednisone, a steroid widely accepted as a COVID treatment. Remember when Trump was on his prednisone having the time high as a kite and he received a vitamin drip. Well, come on, that doesn't do anything. I've taken vitamin drips. I used to be all up in that, not because of Rogan, but whenever I'd get on a big, big, long distance flight during cold and flu season, I'd go get a vitamin drip the day before to just up my system. I don't fucking know if it helped. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't get sick, but I would wear masks. So I think it was more of a psychological thing on my part, you know. Um, and he's also says he's taking ivermectin, the horse deworming medication that is a complete joke. It does not treat COVID. Technically, it does in amounts that would first kill you. So it's the same as drinking bleach. Sure. Bleach might kill COVID. Kill you first. And that is the right-wing, crazy, psycho conspiracy talking point. And people will not stop buying horse dewormer. And again, that monster's been let out of Pandora's box. The I'm mixing metaphors. The people will not believe that it doesn't work. It makes you violently shit your pants and again can kill you and again does nothing to prevent COVID or treat it. So Joe had to, and this is where I start to go, is this man getting paid by some, I don't know what, like something, some some right-wing lunatics. Is he in bed with Russia? You know, I go there because I go, why, why does he, he said he threw the kitchen sink at it and did the monoclonal antibodies but once you do those, you don't need the kitchen sink. I mean, do your vitamin drip if that's your thing. Um, but the ivermectin, there's there's no way. I don't see now that's the part that I go. I'm not sure I believe he took that. If he did, he's a fucking idiot. But even saying he took it is to kind of he, he's a he's a genius at this. And I think people don't give him enough credit when they say, oh, he's you know, he's bad for the culture because he asks dumb questions and then people go, oh, yeah, maybe that's true. But he he's so expertly, so KGB style mixes. And oh, I, I did everything. Monoclonal antibodies, ivermectin. And so, again, if you're going to insist on believing that ivermectin cures this, you're going to be sitting home going, I don't know about those monoclonal antibodies, but that ivermectin, he took, Joe Rogan took it. That He's poisoning the well of information and he knows he's doing it. It's ridiculous if he did take it and it's even worse if he didn't. So, you know, he had covid he will make a recovery. Uh, he may, I, I don't know if, if he'll have long COVID. I don't know what the antibodies exactly do, but this man is a danger to society. I'm sorry, but he is. And, and the arguments that I don't want to hear are, he's stupid, fuck him. No, failure of imagination, people. You said that about Donald Trump. We can no longer just go, oh, stupid, fuck him. We have to spend every minute of our life educating the people that might casually come in contact with this podcast. He's a hundred million dollar deal from Spotify. You don't give someone a deal like that unless they reach millions, tens of millions of people. And he does. From the rabid cultists who are just as dumb as him to just normal people that like to check it out. And that's the way propaganda works is it just does enough to people who are pretty smart to make them go, I don't know what to believe. 
Again, I have a nephew who's not getting vaccinated because of Joe Rogan. What I say, what my sister says, not affecting him. He's not dumb. He's really smart. And I'm, it's not my business to go into how emotionally smart he is and why. Or it's not your business. Either. We cannot dismiss this. And there's an anxiety in men right now where they don't feel like they're useful in society. And they look, Joe is a dad to them. There's an anxiety in a lot of people right now, but I think Joe provides something for men that they are not getting in life from male figures in their life, even from women. They're lost. So this is a big fucking deal. And I know we here at No Fun are smart and we don't say stupid shit like, I can't believe anyone like, oh, yeah, how is he popular? It doesn't matter how he is. We can't pretend he has two fans. That's me. I have two fans. Joe Rogan has tens of millions. Because people who are lost are rabid about what they need. People like you guys who just, you know, you like what I do. It speaks to you. It's fun. It doesn't make you fucking rabid about it. You might be like, I'm the biggest fan. Oh my God, I love it. But you're not, I'm not filling a void. So you can give or take me. Does that make sense? I can give or take the things I'm fan, a fangirl of. The void I fill, I, I do it with like self-help and psychiatry and spirituality. I need that stuff. I'm rabid about it. I don't put it in entertainers. Most people aren't getting the help they need. So this is a big deal and it's an epidemic and it's a worse epidemic than COVID and it's what keeps COVID being the epidemic that it is. So again, I, I took you through my thought process. It's not that I wish death on people. I just sometimes my black and white child brain just says, I need the nonsense to fucking stop. I need the nonsense to stop. Until next bonus, stop the nonsense, have fun. Have fun. 